You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 210, Cattle Decapitation, hosted by Dan Terry. Yeah, but Grindcore doesn't have to be good. You're right, it doesn't have to be good, and I don't have to say it's good either. John Beatty. Oh, you, you weren't a fan of uh, Lips and Assholes? I got a joke for that. And Joseph Wren. John, I have faith in your ability as a performer. I'm a big fan of uh, John bloated bovine home to flies and anthrax spores. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you name your records after an episode of The Twilight Zone, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is John. Wow, so cattle decapitation. We're, we're doing this. You didn't have enough grindcore in your life, so you decided to force the rest of us to listen to grindcore. And yeah, you're right. We're doing this. It's it's happening now. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know if if I if I put cattle decapitation on the schedule because I wanted to listen to cattle decapitation as much as I wanted to get it over with, like just kind of check it off the box. I thought it was because you wanted another album or another band that coincides with the veganism lyrical themes. So John John's starting to pick up on the fact that uh, whenever I pick bands, these little two band chunks. Um, you know, because newsflash, sometimes we don't do just one episode in one sitting. Uh, I like to pair them together in some way, shape, or form. So if you listen to this week's episode and next week's episode, uh, you might be able to find the correlation between the two. I'm just going to spoil it for you right now. It's veganism. Stay tuned for more. Did you say steak tuned? <laughs> oh, no. I did now. We're, we're not out of respect for the, out of respect for the band and what they stand for. Let's not spend the entire night making meat puns. Is that like a thing or what oh my god all right so there's that fucking beep i thought jeff took that with him wait you can't say okay so cattle decapitation is a grindcore band uh that started off as a what i would consider to be a pure grindcore band uh meaning that their first couple of records are i'm just gonna be honest with you guys straight garbage just just garbage gurgling humanure gurgling disgusting no human humanure is like the citizen cane of grindcore uh, compared <laughs> compared to human jerky right uh like like if, if we're making a direct comparison uh, discuss metal dan ladies and gentlemen i'm just saying like kettle decapitation goes through one of the most interesting musical arcs that i've ever seen in that at one point they were totally fine with just making as many disgusting noises in a shorter period of time as possible to making albums that I'm kind of like listening to and sort of enjoying, but also kind of looking at my watch being like, oh my God, when is this going to be over? I like how the band starts with the purest form of what metal fans would call the grindcore joke. We make this disgusting sound because we are trying to make you understand how repulsive this idea is and we're going to get all of this out at once. I'm sure if there's a lyric sheet somewhere, it has paragraphs and paragraphs of words that I would criticize back in 1999. Knowing where they end up with Death Atlas, it might start off bad, but it didn't end in a really bad place. And I'm kind of looking forward to the next record. I like when the King Diamond-esque melodic vocals show up. You're initially shocked by that versus the grindcore growl. And then at one point, I thought he was using a vocoder with his vocals. He's not, but it just sounds cool. It has that disgusting sound that Dan makes fun of me for being able to reproduce sometimes. It's probably actually, um, it, it's probably what happened to me a bunch of times where an album would be over because it was only 15 minutes long and then Spotify would immediately start playing The Faceless. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's usually uh, what ended up happening to me. 
Uh, much better band, by the way. Uh, but uh, the people in Cattle to Cap are much nicer people, uh, I guess, if I, can, if I could say that. Um, no, this band is just is very interesting to me because I just... I think they're a band where there's almost a little bit of a gimmick, and I don't think that the band... I think the band plays into the gimmick, but it not be such a gimmick that it's just completely ridiculous. Um, these guys are obviously very pro um, pro animal rights, uh, but not not to where you would think. So there, there's this public perception of cattle decapitation that they are straight line vegans, uh, and they're they're really not. They're like, yeah, we're not 100 percent perfect. We're more like we're more like vegetarian. At least only two members of the band I think are actually vegetarians. Um, and they, they, they're like, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's nice if you can go to a Trader Joe's, but you can't go to a Trader Joe's at three o'clock in the morning after a show. So in those cases, we're going to have to eat Taco Bell or whatever is, is available. Um, so, but they, but it's, but just listening to these records and looking at the track titles and reading, reading Joe's paragraphs of lyrics, you might get the impression that kettle decapitation is very hardline vegan and almost militantly anti-meat. And uh, I think that that kind of that theme is really kind of the most in intriguing part of the band and why I think a lot of people listen to them. Because if we are going to judge it just on the music alone, and you know that I will, there's not a whole lot to come back to uh, from the, uh, I'd say, the first two quarters of the discography. <laughs> Well, before Dan drops the hammer and casts his judgment, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Hey, we do enjoy our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. Uh, feel free to leave us one on whatever podcast app that you can leave it on. But you know what? We just like hearing from you guys. So, you know, reach out to us in all the places you can reach out to us. At the end of this episode, I will tell you exactly where you can reach out to us pretty much at all times. Uh, including one outlet where you can reach out to us pretty much 24 hours a day. No guarantee we'll respond, but, you know, eventually we'll see it. So uh, keep sharing those episodes, keep subscribing, keep telling your friends about the podcast, and now I'm going to shut up and get on to the episode. Well, we can't get to the episode just yet, Dan. We have some feedback to read. It's feedback time. Cattle decapitation knows all about unnecessary feedback. They're not They're not the chariot bad, but they're bad. Uh we have a brand new Patreon subscriber. His name is Richard Renz. He says, hey, guys, just wanted to thank you. Love the show and was really excited to help keep it going and make it better. This is the first time I've done Patreon. I couldn't be more happy to help. Uh, we appreciate you, Richard, a thousand percent. We'll be reading your name on the podcast every single month, along with our other Patreon subscribers. And uh, I hope you are enjoying the Patreon content. Uh, we've actually expanded it a bit. Uh, to be more than just uh, uh, individual album reviews. Now we're actually doing longer form episodes because it's one of those things where we've always wondered, what do we do with bands that only have one or two records? Uh, the best thing that Joe and I have found to do is do a kind of longer Patreon episode as like a, uh, a bonus episode of discography discussion. And uh, one of our Patreon subscribers, Josiah Heiberg, uh, said, great episode. Uh, talking about our episode that we did about botch on Patreon. That's right. Goes, we fucking he, did it. He goes, yeah, I also uh, first heard botch after a bunch of bands who were influenced by them. So it was historically interesting while not, while still definitely very good. 
Uh, I don't have interest to come back repeatedly. Yeah, and that's that. That's the exact conclusion that we came to. Was that man? I love botch, but uh, I love all these other bands that are influenced by botch. So when I go back and listen to botch, I'm kind of like, okay, um, this is cool. Or you know, any of the bands that came from botch? Like, well, yeah, literally. there's so many bands that came. we we talked about all that too. <laughs> the yeah, there there was a lot a lot with botch. Probably probably one of the longest short episodes we've ever done. Um, hey, as long as we got Russian circles, I'm good. Over on Twitter, Lesser of Two Equals uh, asks, uh, thoughts on Trouble? The band Trouble, in case you didn't know. Do you consider them Christian black metal? Uh, I'm gonna tell, I'm just going to think that might have just been a typo. Um, I think the overall question may have been, is the band Christian metal? Uh, I, it really depends on who you ask. Uh, they're, they're, if you're gonna, I, I guess my opinion on it is if you're going to call Trouble a Christian metal band, then you have to also like lump Black Sabbath into that category too. That also had very like biblically based lyrics uh, over heavy metal music, and I kind of consider Trouble to be kind of on the same wavelength there. So uh, I'm gonna say no, not really a Christian metal band, but uh, that's just my opinion. Like I said, it just matters who you ask. So you're saying you get to have religious themes sometimes without necessarily having a message behind those themes? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think there is a message. Like, it, so this is this is the the frustrating thing is that like there's metal bands that use like Bible quotes and stuff all the time, but it doesn't mean that they're like gonna do an altar call at the end of their show. So, or you know, in the case of Four Today, right in the middle of the show, <laughs> uh, you know. But yeah, so I mean, I, I think I think it really just depends on what you think of as a Christian metal band. Um, as I get a little bit older, I kind of just don't really pay as much attention to that kind of stuff. Uh, and I may refer to bands as Christian bands just to, just if they're that's how they self-categorize or, or whatever. So, Dan, tell me about Cattle Decapitation. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Sort of. Uh, cattle Decapitation considers themselves an American death grind band. Uh, now, they were uh, more just traditional grindcore starting out. These dudes have been around since 1996. And uh, they've put out a lot of records uh, of, of varying, varying quality. Um, and, and I could definitely say that they were very instrumental to me as far as getting into into kind of more death grind stuff. Uh, I heard some Cattle Decapitation, uh, and then I heard some other bands that were way better than Cattle Decapitation. So it was uh, very helpful for me to, uh, to have a very good contrast. Cattle Decapitation is one of those bands that comes up when you first discover this idea of heavier versions of metal that don't necessarily fit the formula of a Metallica or a Black Sabbath, Motorhead, Judas Priest. You look for the weird over-the-top names, and Cattle Decapitation is one that you listen to thinking, well, this has got to be extremely brutal. This has to be over-the-top, and it definitely tries to be, but like Dan said, the album's... They take a journey in quality versus content where the message seems to be generally the same at this point. Man, do they ever. Uh, they they have gone through some changes over the years. And in my opinion, for the better, because I think if you start at, if you start at the lowest possible common denominator, uh, you know, I would say this band is like three steps above something like Anal Cunt, but... I'll allow it. Only three, you know? <laughs> like... It's not. It's not great. These guys have very humble beginnings. We're never going to talk about that band, are we? Uh, I mean, we we can, but I mean, it really depends on how liberal you want to be with that beeper. Because if we do that episode, you beep every single time we say the band's name, then uh, people are going to be like, I don't even know what this episode was about. <laughs> we'll put it out on April Fools, I guess. Uh, but with Kettle Decapitation, when you, when you go all the way back to Human Jerky, 
Um, this is definitely probably not the first cattle decapitation album you've heard. Uh, and I hadn't really listened much to it, uh, prior to just like initially hearing it when I heard the band initially, uh, you know, I went back and listened to their older stuff and I was just like, Whoa, okay. Not for me. Okay, great. And then, you know, kind of moved, move forward <laughs> uh, a little bit. Uh, so revisiting it, this for the show, uh, normally this is where I'm like, it was so nostalgic for me. It was not, I have no feelings about human jerky for ooh, one way or the other. Um, it is a 16 minute record that you can listen to. Um, I think at its best, I think it can mistakenly sound a little bit like Rika Putrefaction by Carcass, uh, which is an equally terrible sounding record. Uh, but the thing about Carcass is that Carcass somehow, despite playing this almost exact same style, uh, was much more memorable overall, uh, than anything that's on Human Jerky. Human Jerky is just play as fast as we can. We're going to double the vocals because I guess that's more brutal or whatever. Have one guy screaming, growling low, one guy screaming high, um, throw in, throw in some like pukey sounding vocals. It's not as bad as like a porno grind band would, would be as far as vocals go, where they just like pitch shift it down. Like, and it's disgusting or, or, you know, the bands that heard a guy that pitch shifted his voice and somehow figured out how to actually do it without pitch shifting. Um, that's a really great use of your time, I guess. But, uh, this is just not a great record. Uh, I mean, and, and it's 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 frustrating because like I see the potential in this band. Human Jerky. These guys. These guys are pro. Uh, are pro. You know, veganism, vegetarian. But then, like, when you have a song like "Parasitic Infestation," "Extracted Pus," "Mistaken for Yogurt," and "Gargled," it's just kind of like you guys. Like, you guys are serious about what you're talking about, right? This isn't like a weird joke. Uh, I think this it, is exactly what I'm talking about when I mention grindcore vocals that you can't understand. What is the message supposed to be if all I'm doing is listening to the record? The message is that this band is so brutal, I need to find out everything about them. And then maybe along the way, you'll pick up what their message actually is. But just listening to the record, it's not there. Well, the song titles, I think, are, are the, the biggest dead giveaway. Uh, of what the band's about, whether you can understand the vocals or not. But I will say this, uh, as far as extreme, hard to understand vocals go, Kettle Decapitation is not any anywhere as bad as uh, a lot of bands. Uh, I do find Dude to be relatively understandable most of the time. Not on this record, dude. Not on this record as much, <laughs> but on, on, on further records, he gets a lot more clear. Um, but yeah, I mean, this record's just like a weird, like... Yeah, it's human jerky, but it's not like it's not like Whole Foods jerky. Like it's this is like you pick this up at a gas station for thirty eight cents jerky. It's not it's not great. John, did you have a good week listening to Human Jerky? All right, so here's a real funny story about how uh, <laughs> what this record and what this discography did to me. So I listened to this first because I knew it would probably be the harder one of the two that we're doing uh, for this week's recordings. I went back and for some reason thought we were living, doing Living Sacrifice, that I didn't even remember that we had done Living Sacrifice, and I didn't even remember that I had listened to Living Sacrifice until I was messaging Dan at, like, what was that, Wednesday? Uh, Monday. Monday. Yep, see, I didn't even know what day it was. <laughs> so, Cattle Decapitation as a whole threw me for such a fucking loop with it kind of being a bit of a slog for me to listen to all this that I was like... I listened to a band that we already like Dan literally sent me a video goes, you're on YouTube. That's you talking about this band. Like, how do you not remember you did this? And I was like, I legit have no recollection of any of these songs. So, John, Cattle Decapitation erased your brain. 
Yeah, pretty much. Dan thought I was fucking with him. That's brutal as fuck, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I thought you were messing with me because I just couldn't understand it. And then later on, I was like, oh, man, that's some pretty bad short-term memory loss. I think he might actually need a CAT scan or something. Like, (laughs) this could actually be, like, indicative of a major medical condition. Uh, Yeah, so you you didn't like human jerky very much, huh? No, I mean, what, what was interesting, though, is, like, I love the Ghostbusters sample that started off the record. Um, Fantastic. And, you know, it actually kind of reminds me, why why, why did that trend go away? Like, like, it seemed like all metal, regardless of the genre, did that for a while. And, and I think this band kind of relies on a couple other, like, samples and so forth throughout the rest of the discography. But it did kind of make me wonder, like, why the fuck did that stop being a thing? Probably clearances. People were probably getting shit taken down. Because they weren't yeah. probably going through the proper channels for this. It's either Before clearances anybody- or it's the old school metal trope of the song is a story that is based in fantasy. So you always had those clips and those pieces of songs and movies that you've heard because you want to give the listener the idea of where this song came from. Today, I think everybody just wants to be taken seriously. So everything is... From me, the writer of the song. Uh, if I could provide an additional explanation, uh, I think it has more to do with the fact that we now have uh, algorithms that search every major streaming website and search every YouTube video and search everything looking for a specific wavelength of copyrighted material. And that's not just with music, but also with movies, which is why like movie YouTubers get their stuff taken down all the time. Uh, it's because before... Whoever was involved in Ghostbusters probably never listened to a cattle decapitation record, nor would they have a reason to. (laughs) But now you can just hit a button and be like, anybody that violates my copyright, you know, send me an email. And then it does. And then they're like, yep, that's got to come down. So I think I think you're more spot on, John, with the whole like people were just worried about takedowns. Uh, Whereas that's why you hear a lot more sound clips on either on either super, super underground bands, uh, which is what they were here. Um, or uh, bands that just, it was the record so old that they just more or less got away with it. Well, I was just kind of surprised that in light of all that, that, you know, especially with this being remastered and re-released this like, in the last year, that they were somehow able to still have it in there. Like, it wasn't taken away. So that was what kind of surprised me. Um, I think overall, though, like, this is kind of going to be a sentiment that I, I think I'm going to say, and probably Joe, too, quite a bit. Um, I can appreciate that it takes a lot of skill to play this style. Uh, with the precision that the musicians do. But for me, it's kind of really hard to differentiate one song from another uh, at times when it just starts with a straight blast. And you're like, all right. And, you know, there is some examples, or at least one that I I noticed, um, you know, where there's a quote-unquote normal tempo, and that was the uh, parasitic uh, infestation. Like, when I hear something like that, I'm just kind of like, See, like, give me a little bit of that. Like, no, don't do it all the time, but, like, maybe do something to just kind of differentiate all the blasting. Oh, it wasn't Gestation of Smegma? Well, I mean, yeah, there, uh, yeah, because that was right around, actually, I might have been around the same part of <laughs> that song, too, like, where it's, like, right before the, the quote-unquote chorus area. <laughs> I just wanted I just wanted to say Smegma on a podcast, but, yeah. I, I, I don't think you Craig will. Charles approves. Fair enough. I'm with you on that, John, but I also don't listen to Grindcore thinking I'm going to find a song that I love. I use Ganglia as the design for how I enjoy Grindcore. 
I'll listen to the record because it's 16 minutes long and I know I'm going to get 16 minutes of a grind explosion. So I'm not necessarily looking for that one song that separates itself from the other because at least this early in the discography, there's not enough differentiation for me to care. I enjoy it, but I'm not looking for more than what's here. It's just a disgusting explosion of noise. I think that's the one thing, at least about the genre, for all intents and purposes, that I feel like at least it's self-aware to not overstay its welcome, if that makes any sense. It has to be. They, they knew they didn't have a hit on their hands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nobody nobody was being like, all right, guys, this is how you become the next Motley Crue. You know, like, that, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, not with this style of music, nor do they even want that to be the case, probably. If you're the kind of person that makes a record that sounds like this... Mainstream appeal is not in your top 10 list of things, you know, that you want to do. Um, this is this is a piss off your boss, piss off your friends, piss off your parents um, sort, sort of record, sort of career, really. Um, they're kind of like dying fetus in that regard. Um, curiosity, what I mean, because, again, this is a, like another kind of a band that, like, I've never listened to until having to do this. What was out around this time that would have been kind of comparable or would have been an influence? Cannibal Corpse. I would say on the grind side of things, and like I said, I don't listen to like a lot of grind, but uh, you had stuff like Pig Destroyer uh, around this time. At least I think I think if if not that same year, very close. Um, whereas Pig Destroyer was almost more. Um, you know, there's two schools of gore. Gr- yeah, sorry. There's two, <laughs> two schools. schools of gore? <laughs> yeah, two. There's two schools of grindcore. Um, you've got you've got the bands that are more punk based. Uh, like your like your Napalm Death or your Pig Destroyer, uh, those bands are almost like they're almost a little hardcore, but they're too extreme to just be hardcore bands. So they, you know, you can't really put them there. Whereas a band like Cattle Decapitation is still playing grindcore technically, but there's enough death metal in there for it to not be pure grind. So in that in that sense, like I kind of put Carcass in that same box too. Uh, where the, this is this is a band that loves the idea of grind, but makes it more gory and more death metal, uh, and I think that's why the the term death grind is usually pretty uh, a, a good descriptor of that. Where they're like, yeah, we're mixing death metal and grindcore. We went on and on and on on the death on the uh, Napalm Death episode about how you know grindcore and death metal are not the same genre, but they do frequently cross paths with each other. Uh, and this is a case of that. 2000, Hamavor. So, um, did you guys like Human Jerky? Yes. While I was listening to it, in retrospect, I enjoyed the time I spent listening to that record. Oh, well, you're a good man, because I didn't really enjoy that record at all. Um, and I didn't enjoy this one either. <laughs> like, this is just uh, this is just the same stuff. I didn't enjoy any stuff. of this when we got to album number five. I had to take a break in the middle of the discography. But Understandable. I don't think you're going to listen to just this all the time. No, and you don't have to. And that that's the beauty of these first two uh, these first two cattle decap albums is that like uh, you don't have to listen to them for too long. I mean, you listen to both of them in one shot. That's only a half hour. You have, I mean, you haven't invested like any real time in this band yet, um, and they haven't invested any time in you either. They're not respectful of your time in the sense of. Yeah, it's very short. It's very respectful of the amount of time you're using to listen to it. But it's not respectful in the sense of actually giving you anything that you want to actually hear. Uh, but now, I already know that someone right now that's listening to this is triggered by what I just said. 
and is like, I only listen to stuff like this all the time. And I'm going to just say to that person, you know, different strokes for different folks. However, if you only listen to Grindcore all the time, then you cannot sit here and tell me that this is in any way superior to other Grindcore that you've heard. Are we ready to surf, man? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, just for the sake of fairness, I didn't know that was a record until like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and John, you, you had enough already, time to listen to it. Yeah, you could have listened to the whole thing, you know, yeah. like in well, that, I was listening in that to you. Time. I was listening to you. 2002, To Serve Man. Oh boy, testicular manslaughter. Yeah. We've all been there. I, I got a buddy in prison that's in prison for testicular manslaughter. You know, I know, man. Lorraine it could be pretty rough. Yeah. Um, okay, so To Serve Man. It's a great this episode is where the, of the Twilight Zone. This is where the band is actually trying to... They're trying to be better. They're trying to be a better uh, cattle decapitation. And they failed miserably uh, in the sense that these songs are longer and they're more complex. So, like, the actual song structures are better. Um, this one's almost a little gore grind in places uh, with the ultra guttural vocals. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so, you know, obviously a band like this, we always have to try to be heavier, right, than we were before. Um, and so they do that. And there is a little bit more lead guitar work, but the lead guitar work basically just boils down to like, okay, we've changed riffs three or four times now within this three and a half minute song. Let's end it on a cat strangler and clock out for the day. Um, it's, it's, it's very bare. Like it, it's, it's decent grind at best and horrible death metal at worst. I don't know if the band consciously dipped in quality or if this was mixed by someone who just didn't know how to mix this genre well. That's a common story uh, with a lot of these bands. But this record, this record does what records were starting to do in the early 2000s, where before, yeah, it didn't sound great, but it still had kind of a studio presentation. This one just shoves everything into the center of the mix, which, to be fair, if it can sound good in mono, you can mix it in stereo. This one spreads out a little bit along the way, but for the most part, it just sounds like they did these live on the floor and put out a record called To Serve Man. I do not know why they made that decision, but here it is. Um, it sounds like you're best attempt at a four-track cassette tape demo that you did with your friends in high school. I mean, it's a great record to scare mom with, right? Because isn't that really, at the end of the day, what we're here to do? Uh, you know, what do you, what do you guys think about this, mom? This song's called uh, Rife in Putrescence. Putrescence? I love it, too, because they're trying to do, they're trying to do like, the medical terminology like, uh, like some of these uh, other gore grind bands do, but Sometimes I just wonder, but then it's like, oh yeah, the regurgitation of corpses. Regurgitation sounds medical, right? We could have just said vomited corpses, but instead we said uh, regurgitation of corpses. Um, colonic villus biopsy performed on the gastrointestinally incapable. I don't even know what that means. So good job, I guess. Uh, but like, yeah, this record is is too long. Uh, it, it puts the other two records, the first two, above this one for me because they know when to shut up. This record goes on for an unbearable 30 minutes. Like, it's like exactly the same. And it's weird, too. I've never described 30 minutes as unbearable for a record. But just whenever I hear this, I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Where do these songs, what's, what, are, what is the point of these songs? Where are they going? And before anybody comes at me like, oh, you don't know anything about grindcore, death, gr death grind, and 
there's actually all kinds of subtle nuances that you're missing. If that's true, then they should have brought that stuff up forward and made it easier to pick up on because not everybody's as smart as you are. Some people are dumb like me and you got to spell it out for me. But the way I hear it is I just don't hear really any point in these songs. They go on for way too long and there's not enough variation in the sound for me to even pick out a standout track. I think, so we'll talk about this and some other down the road on one of the other records. Um, I think that's the problem. So I kind of made the comment on the last one about does, you know, the genre typically lend to a shorter album length because they understand it's 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 a bit much. It, there's no reason to have a, an album be 30 minutes when you're playing that kind of music because it's just, it's going to be so redundant. I feel like it's not executed well, but knowing where the band's going to go, I feel like this is sort of the start of what they were trying to do, but failing miserably at getting there. I think they were trying to be a little bit more, I don't know, progressive is the word I want to use, but trying to expand what they are musically. And I, I just don't think they're there yet. Um, you know, that's something we often talk about with doing discographies like this is you can see the trail of breadcrumbs kind of going along and how a band progressed and got to where they ultimately end up. I think you need this misstep to start the progression from the next album forward. So you think they were trying to move away from the garbage sound that is the grindcore stereotype? <sighs> well, I, so that's that's something that I kept trying to figure out with this, too, is, I mean, you know, I can look to a band. I mean, that's that's a hard thing. That was that was something and something I've been saying when we do some of these, like, you know, even going back to Crimson Moonlighter, you know, some of these other bands that we've done that I've not ever listened to is it's a thing where I'm trying I'm trying to really see what's going on. I'm not trying to just go, I don't like this because I don't like it. It's not what I listen to. It's not my wheelhouse for, for this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I also this is one of the first times since being a part of the show now where I'm actually trying to look at this record and judge it kind of for what's coming. Because when you kind of look at it from that perspective and going instead of which I agree with Dan and, and both of you, like this is not a great record Compa comparatively to the other two. There are a lot of problems with this record. Nothing stands out. It just is. But I think this was kind of the start of what they were trying to do, which is pushing themselves out of whatever genre this is. Because, you know, at this point, I think Dan has mentioned like three or four different subgenres within the one genre. So and that's going to be something they keep doing. Like on the next one, I think they kind of step into it a little bit more of a different lane. And I think they're just an extreme metal band, I think, is kind of what you could call this moving forward. They want to they want to be more death metal. Yes. On to serve man. You can you can hear that that you can hear that in the more uh, complex uh, arrangements. I'll say arrangements because these are still not really quite songs. Um, they're trying really, really hard to try something different. Like, OK, we've done two records now that we've released and and assume assumedly toured on, which was just 15 minutes each of us. Bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. We're done. Uh, and now they're like, yeah, let's let's step it up. Let's make it more complex. The problem is that they just didn't have the skill, I think, at that time to pull it off. 2004, Humanure. So this album sounds a bit better as far as things being more mixed and mastered, which I mean, if I am guilty of beating any dead horse on this show. Leave which maybe that Bojack was, alone, John. 
was to say maybe I shouldn't say use that phrase uh, for this discography, but um, <laughs> it's one of those where I feel like this is you know kind of what I was just saying. This is the first record where I feel like there's more thought put into the overall presentation of the band. I don't know if there was more money behind it. I can't imagine there's much money in this style of music, but I think at this point they're on Metal Blade, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, whatever. They're on a label that I think kind of was getting some money, could kind of put them money back into it. And I think this is one of the first examples that you're able to see where a budget actually is helping this band um, to kind of pull apart, not pull apart, to really kind of showcase their songwriting as of what they do. Um, I mean, Dan was just kind of commenting, you know, you're starting to see more of the death metal influences. Um, I had written maybe black metal because I don't want to negate anything. Um, technically, with, with all the, the purists and elitists that exist in this space, but, you know, the title track, I think, is a really great example. Those guitar leads are kind of what makes me think that this is a band that is clearly trying to progress and write a not be pigeonholed as just a, a grind band or a, a you know any specific kind of thing, but they want to grow. They want to keep bringing new influences in and, and expand their sound. Um, you know, a song like Polyps, I like that song, um, but overall, there's at times it, it's sometimes I think the genre is what kind of keeps me away where I'm like this part's cool and they're like eh, but I don't really like that part oh but this kind of this part's kind of interesting but then it just goes somewhere else and you're like oh well, okay but like that's the genre that's what it does um I do find it amusing you know we've kind of talked about some of the song titles and how can you not um because as Dan said I think that kind of points to it kind of being firmly rooted in in kind of a grind or more extreme metal territory but I couldn't help but think to myself, I wish there was a seven inch of lips and assholes and it was just a hot dog on the cover of it. (laughs) (laughs) Humanure is what to serve man should have been like. This is what. So like, you know, you're 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 standing there in front of the target. You're shooting for your target. This was the bullseye. They they were actually no pun intended, but they were um, they were actually hitting what they wanted to hit here. Um, Even the title track Humanure, they add they added some some more dissonance which is more of their grind uh influence but then you've got it mixed in with actual competent like tech like i don't want to say i don't want to say super technical guitar playing because i don't think that they're a tech band yet uh but they're 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 trending in that direction they're they're going for more complicated uh riffs uh they're going for stuff that allows them to manipulate most of their fretboard um and they're they're doing some cool they're doing some cool stuff here the vocals, I think, are vastly improved over all of the other releases. This is also the least grindcore record the band has produced. Everything about the presentation from the album cover to the song titles to the vocals, yes, that's all grindcore at its core. Pardon that pun. Thank you very much. But it sounds less grind to me and more death metal. And I think they just decided that they wanted to make a death metal record. Maybe that's what they really wanted to be all along. We just had to get past the let's write a 15 minute album and put it out about how bad it is that people consume meat that is processed and handled and treated the way that most of our industry is handled in this country. Yeah, I mean I think I think humanure overall it's more it's more death metal. It uses the grind when it needs to, which I think is actually a really smart kind of way of doing it. Uh, to me grindcore is always your next level, right? Like oh, the band gets progressively heavier and heavier and heavier and then they go all out grindcore, right? It's like the 11 on the uh on the volume knob. 
Um, and they do that much more tastefully here. These songs are more interesting to listen to. This is this is probably the first Cattle Decapitation album that I'm listening to where I actually can tell the tracks apart. I'm actually interested um, when I'm listening to this one. Yeah, and it actually it actually sounds like a real band, not just like a bunch of people making noise just for the sake of making noise. Um, and yeah, I think I think overall Humanure is the biggest step in the right direction that they could have taken because now they've gone from being oh yeah here come those guys that are you know cattle decapitation here here they are and they're gonna play for you now it's like oh yeah man cattle decapitation this stuff is like so brutal man like these guys can really play it um and you know like john said i think the budget has a lot more to do with that uh you got some label money behind this thing now and uh they're able to produce a record that it is, that is pleasing to people that are fans of this kind of music. It's time. I love this pun. Oh, thank God. 2006. Karma. Bloody karma. I'll say that at this point, I feel like they're definitely getting a bit more experimental, throwing in more traditional style riffing. Um, and I mean, even kind of the squeals and so forth that they're kind of bringing in. Um, you know, even in the song like Total Gore, like there's there's a weird effect. I can't quite place what it is. Um, I, I wasn't sure if it was like some kind of a weird pitch shifty kind of thing. It wasn't wasn't a whammy uh, pedal or anything like that. I, just, I honestly couldn't place what it was because it was kind of buried in the mix a little bit. But it's uh oh, never mind. I was like, what what does that fucking note even mean? All right, let me try that again. <clears throat> Um, but as a whole, I also want to know, why is it a question? Total gore? Question marks? <laughs> like, what is the question there? And what does it mean? Um, I feel like I know the band takes their lyrical themes very seriously. And I think if you read the lyrics uh, separate from the music and just kind of read them, there's no doubt that they're very well written. Um, but at times I feel like the titles belie that because they, I don't know, like take like, you know, it's like, you know, there's a song like Alone at the Landfill. I think that that's a, a pretty epic sounding song, the way they set it up. And the lyrics are actually really poignant. But then you see a song like Human Pride and Flatulence. And I'm like, OK, or like the carcass, the carcass Derek. And it's like, are we being serious now? Like, is this a joke or is this like, I don't know. And maybe that's my problem is I can't tell if this band is where this band is is on the fence there like is it, it are they on some kind of a joke and i just don't get it or are they being serious and i'm also not getting that it's like the music is getting so good you're not willing to accept the idea that it's just a joke but if this was 15 minutes long and sounded like a four track cassette tape demo you'd say yeah this is a joke it's fun i don't care now you're actually questioning whether or not the message is sincere possibly yeah, I mean, if you're reading the track titles alone and you're looking at the album cover, you know, you've got now you've got, you know, your statue of I'm trying to remember who that's supposed to be. If it's like Shiva, that was Ganesh, wasn't it? Ganesh, Ganesh maybe Ganesh. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it's a you know, like I don't know, with the butcher knives and the you know what I mean. Like it's starting to get silly. This yeah. looks like Omega uh, Level Pig from the New Fifty Two. It's it's starting to get it's starting to seem a little parody. And the track titles, like you said, don't really help with that. Um, of Human Pride and Flatulence. I mean, come on. Karma, Bloody Karma, 1,000 Times Decapitation. You, you're, you're, you're sitting yourself down getting ready to listen to a band that you think doesn't take themselves seriously. But then musically, you listen to it, and the music is taken very seriously. Uh, and, you know, you, you mentioned Alone at the Landfill. 
alone at the alone at the landfill is absolutely a window into the future of cattle decapitation for sure as a band um this is where they're going um they it adds in some much needed melody uh it adds in even some hardcore influences uh with some of the breakdowns and stuff that are in the song um that that nice just creepy melodic neat like holy crap melody on a on a uh on a cattle decapitation record like what are you, what are you guys doing what if to you the guys actual are, fuck if you guys, yeah if you guys but i mean if you guys are if you guys are making music this good like this enjoyable do it all the time because like you please you have a you have a song like alone at the, alone at the landfill and that's the song you put on a sampler and that's what everybody thinks cattle decapitation sounds like you're, you're in luck my friend people are going to start taking your band super seriously i mean you've got everything like because now you're like okay this band has death metal influence grindcore influence hardcore influence black metal influence oh my god you put that all together like the pieces of captain planet and all of a sudden you've got a progressive band like that song is incredible it's the highlight of the record and i just almost can't even tell you where it came from because it feels like it came from the future because you listen to the rest of this record um unintelligent design's really good unintelligent design alone at the landfill and even total gore like you mentioned those three songs are heads and tails above everything else they've ever put out uh, and that's not to say that the rest of the record's a sloucher but I feel like Karma Bloody Karma is the record where Cattle Decapitation became a serious band, like one that you could actually really like pay attention to. Um, they've honed their skills kind of to the point now to be able to get a reaction out of people that are listening to listening to their music, and um, and instead of the reaction just being like, "Oh God, why would you do that?" You know, um, it's fantastic. And I think I think from here on out, this almost becomes a different discography discussion altogether. For, for me, two thousand and nine. The harvest floor. Come on, guys. The gardeners of Eden. So God, right? We're talking about God. This is gardeners. So I mean, you'd have to have multiple gods. Like, is Jesus helping on the weekends, or really? Holy Spirit is directing the sunlight. What I think is interesting about the harvest floor is how they kind of they fake you out at the beginning, where you think that they have kind of gone back more to the grind style, um, and then once you get into a body farm, then all of a sudden you start getting hit with all this like tech deathy stuff that they're doing. Um, you know, like they're much more like straight ahead death metal with like all these like dissonant like techy riffs. And um, it all sounds incredible. Like the, the the production on this record is insane. The the lead guitar work is insane. Um, all of a sudden, they're like like they it's like they realized on Karma Bloody Karma that they had graduated from being a certain type of band, and now that they've graduated, they now feel like they have to go get their master's degree. Honestly, the only thing about this record I don't like is the vocals. This is the first time the grindcore sound just doesn't fit with what they're playing in 2009. Oh, the vocals are awesome. What are you talking about? That early 90s sound that you would get with this type of music. In 2009, the music is progressing, but the vocals are still staying in that classic mentality. I don't hate them, but if I have to look at the band now and say, do I like this? I like where it's going. We're going to get a lot more melodic vocals very quickly, but it's the only time where it stands out that this is a sound that's been going on since the mid to late 90s, and that portion of the band really hasn't changed. 
I don't know. I mean, I think the vocals are a lot clearer on this. I think that his enunciation is way better uh, than it has been leading up to this. You know, I think a lot of these guys start off sounding completely unintelligible uh, and end up working their way up to being able to actually sing songs that if you're the kind of person that listens to death metal a lot, uh, you, you can pick up on what he's saying pretty easily. And I think I think the vocal doubling that they've kind of done throughout their entire career may actually, in this case, enhances the enunciation. It almost, ha almost has like a stereo effect to it. Uh, that makes it a little bit more a little bit more um, breathable. But yeah, I love this record, man. This thing's full of awesome guitar leads. Uh, it's heavy. It's brutal where it needs to be. Uh, they do incorporate more doses of grind into the overall sound, uh, which I think is helpful. I think it's a I think it's a return to their roots in that regard. Except now they've learned how to properly uh, implement grind sections into their songs. John, what do you think of the Harvest Floor? Um, the Harvest Floor, I think this is where the discography gets a little bit more, <laughs> quote unquote, easier to listen to. Um, but I think it's still, I think for me, part of the problem is also still it's a, a bit self-indulgent at times. Like, you know, some of the random sweet picking that just there's not really I don't think the song calls for it. It just happens to be there. Um, so for me, <laughs> I guess Dan thought that was really funny. <laughs> um <laughs> It's, it's just a thing for me, though, where at times, like, and I understand that's sort of the genre, is just kind of you're getting a, a, the kitchen sink, basically, everything, including the kitchen sink uh, in the songwriting. Um, you know, again, you know, I, I don't want to, like, focus necessarily on this, but, like, even, you know, like, a song, like, uh, In Ecstasy, uh, I remember when seeing the title, I was like, oh, that's, that's a clever pun. Like, I like puns. I think they're funny. Um, but you read the lyrics separate from the music and you're like, well, damn, this is actually a really thought provoking song from a lyrical perspective. And I feel like at times, though, that's that's sort of the problem I have with this record is where the one before was really good and kind of setting the bar and the expectation for it to be really high. I feel like this one just missed the mark a little bit. Like, I feel like human newer should have been flipped around with Harvest Floor as far as the progression of the band, because I feel like this is kind of more parts, not songs. And I feel like we had more songwriting on the previous album. Well, and I think that that's common in a lot of bands like this, where I don't necessarily know if whenever they stepped up to the plate on Karma Bloody Karma, that they knew they were going to hit a home run, but then they did. And so now whenever they're coming back up to bat on the Harvest Floor, they're like, well, we gotta, you know, now we have to live up to this as as somebody that is gonna always hit a home run every time we step up to the plate. Uh, it's not that different than like when Between the Buried and Me put out Colors, and then they had to follow that, you know. They should have listened um, to me and just put out another Alaska, damn it. Yeah, well, and I think that I think that's why. I think that in your head, the progression almost doesn't make sense because on the Harvest Floor, it sounds like they're trying a whole bunch of stuff. But what I what I still really enjoyed about the Harvest Floor was that. It is still a step up in the technicality. Karma Bloody Karma, as good as it is, for me, only has like three or four standout songs. Whereas I am able to listen to The Harvest Floor and enjoy it as a whole. And even though I agree with you that it's not necessarily as strong from a composition standpoint, um, I enjoy all the dumb stuff that they do on it. <laughs> I, I like I like random sweet picking. Random, stupid, out-of-place arpeggio ridiculousness. Uh, that's why I listen to technical death metal. Like, that's... That, it's exactly like like what I'm there for, you know, uh, and so I'm, you know, if, if I want to put on my music reviewer hat and be like, well, the song didn't call for this and it's over the top and it's it's this and this. 
Um, I think that's all totally valid. Uh, but as a fan of techie death metal, I'm like, no, bring it on, man. More, more random, stupid, sweet picking, please. Uh, because I just like the way that it sounds. Um, so I don't, I don't disagree with you as a music reviewer, but as a death metal fan, I'm like, nah, this is, this is great. <laughs> like more, more of this, please. If the enjoyable portion of the discography starts in 2004, this feels like a legitimate progression. And I enjoy listening to it. It's never going to be my favorite genre when we talk about grind as a whole, but I still enjoy it when I'm listening to it. And I hear more death metal in this than I hear grind, so I'm into it. Is it time for the monolith of inhumanity? Oh, let's do it. It is time to return to Monkey. 2012. So with this, I, I feel like... We're finally seeing the band really push themselves musically. There's some really interesting vocals on here uh, that we haven't really heard. Uh, I mean, look at the higher screams or whatever you want to call that in uh, Dead Set on Suicide. Um, a living, breathing piece of defecating meat is interesting in the fact that there's like a short story of lyrics. But I'm also wondering, does it self-reference polyps in the second to last quote unquote paragraph? of the lyrics. Um, I'm not really sure I've ever really seen a band kind of self-referentiated themselves before, um, but it's quoting something. And the fact that I saw polyps in there, I was like, huh, you know, and I said earlier that polyps was uh, my favorite track off of uh, whatever that record was that I'm blanking on now. Um, manure? No, uh, Karma Bloody Karma. Yeah. Um, I also wasn't expecting projectile ovulation. To no, go it was humanure. My bad. Okay. I also wasn't expecting projectile ovulation to go where it did based on that intro to the song. I, I, I guess it's interesting that they're this far into their career and I'm still surprised by what they're doing with their songwriting within this, this genre, whatever you would like to call it at this point. I think this record is a huge step up in the extremity department for the band, if that's possible. <laughs> uh, but it's more extreme in the sense of it has way better production, and they're using a lot more modern production tricks on this than they used uh, previously. Um, you know, I could talk I can talk trash about uh, to serve man until my until my face turns blue. But at least that record, it was just a band standing in a room playing playing their playing their songs. Uh, Monolith of Inhumanity really is, depending on how you want to look at it, is is very much benefits from these modern production tricks. Um, the I'm not going to pull a Joe here and say, oh, you triggered drums, but like maybe. I don't know. Uh, oh, they are. Hard to tell. 100%. Uh, Kick drum has but, been triggered for days. But uh, you don't care when you're listening of, to this type of extreme metal. Some though. of their, yeah, some of these blasts are unbelievably clean and all every single hit drum hit sounds the exact same which is weird because that's not really what happens when you're playing drums uh but that's all i'm gonna say about that uh this is more grind like like somebody in this band is like no we started as a grind band we die as a grind band okay so we're gonna grind uh so you get a lot of that uh dead set on suicide introduces something to to this band that I really wasn't expecting in the form of can you even call these clean vocals uh, they sound more like um, I don't know like the Wicked Witch from the Wizard of Oz screaming you know through the woods at you is what it sounds like to me uh, but I have to give him credit for attempting to do something different because all we've really heard up to this point is you know uh, so to hear something different was nice uh, I don't think it's like great clean vocals but I also think that like if a smooth, like, Corey Taylor-style chorus came in, I think that would be lame, too. Uh, so, 
they, they, they definitely uh, took the more black metal route, I think, with some of these vocals. And um, it's interesting. I, I have heard clean vocals like that implemented a lot in black metal. Uh, so that's what I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them black metal cleans. Um, it's they're, the they're raspy weird, baritone vocals. They're weird. They're different. I just don't get it. We all know I'm a Stanley Kubrick fan, so I appreciate the obvious reference with this album name, title, album cover, presentation. The glorious television teaching machine on its side is right in the middle here with ape-looking creatures or people that are becoming savage ape creatures. So you're going to get what you're here for. If you're here for grind, if you're here for death metal, Kettle Decapitation did it again, guys. I mean, I think it, I think they're awesome at this point. Like they figured it out, man. They, they they are so above and beyond their humble beginnings, and now they're toe to toe with a lot of the bigger bands in the like death metal scene. Which, to be honest with you, I don't really know how big that scene was at that time. Probably not huge. Where what is this like 2012 something like that? That's the year I have on my list. Yeah, these guys are headliners to death metal shows now. <laughs> so you know, you hear that, ladies. <laughs> you can go to McDonald's. You can order whatever you want. I'm the headliner on a death metal festival. That's right. Yeah. Dude, they gave, they gave us $12 for dinner. I hope this tour never ends. <laughs> <laughs> you think they were talking about us? I'll be 100 there <laughs> by the end of this tour. 2015, the Anthropocene extinction. So uh, I guess dude just got tired of doing those deep vocals all the time because this one has a lot more of that high-pitched, shrieky, raspy stuff going on. Uh, and I'm like, bring it on. Give me more variety. I mean, this is a band that went from 44-second songs to average song length being between four to four and a half minutes now. Uh, and now they're actually able to fill that four and four and a half minutes with, like, interesting changing parts. Um, I am kind of with John here, though. I do feel like these guys still, for whatever reason, feel the need to just string a bunch of parts together and not necessarily write like good songs but again as a te as, as a techie death metal fan i really kind of couldn't care less if the discography is progressing since the mid 2000s this is the next step we're more melodic we're pacing ourselves better i can't wait to talk about the next record because if that is the band today going forward i'm gonna be a very happy fan of death metal but i love listening to this record for the amount of space it has it almost has a stock death clock sound because, you know, Brennan Small had the market with death metal, melodic death metal in the mid 2010s. So all the influences that went into creating the humor of that show, I hear where the cattle decapitation was now because now they're spacing themselves out and they're allowing the melody to show through, even though they're still blasting and grinding through the majority of these songs. They're still taking their time and the average listener has more time to take in the message of the songs. The vocals are the most understandable they've ever been on this record because there's not so many layers of grind guitars and shredding leads over the top of dissonant riffing that lets you take everything in instead of trying to find the pieces of the melody. This is when the band actually lets the music speak for itself truly at least this is the first time it's really been done and i am so happy with the king diamond vocals on this one <laughs> they were okay. there before but they weren't there as much as they are now and they will be later on dan mentioned it dude probably just got tired of doing the all the time but 
If you're gonna do a voice, and you can do that voice, go for it, dude. I'm there. I don't know. This is what I expected John Gobblecon to sound like. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like right they're goblin. Now. Yeah, they're goblin vocals, right? I mean, straight up. Yeah, I think with this at this point, this is a with this band in particular, I, I tried to read a lot more of the lyrics separate from the music because I think it even though the vocals are getting a lot, a lot more discernible uh, for what you know the, he's saying, it's still kind of hard to keep up with everything as you're trying to like listen to the music and, and hearing the various vocals and so forth. So for me, I kind of really separated, started separating those uh, over the last couple of records. And something that's interesting to me is I don't really know where this dude gets his lyrical inspirations from because, I mean, you look at a song like Prophets of Loss and it's like you're kind of like, what are some of these names? You know, like they have have Delphinius or whatever, and like that whole section of, of uh, words. And so I actually was looking that up while you guys were just talking. So the, the Delphinus is actually a small constellation uh, in the northern celestial hemisphere. Um, and basically it uh, kind of makes a dolphin, uh, essentially. And, you know, one of the other words, the and I'm going to probably fuck this up real bad, the... Uh, Sela Machiforia or whatever. I'm probably, like I said, really mispronouncing that. But that's a shark. So now we have dolphins. It's all you, buddy. It's all so now you. Now we have dolphins and sharks. And as you're kind of reading this, like you're really seeing the band kind of hitting on that, you know, we're about animal rights and, you know, anim- like things like that of that nature. So it is something where it's like even in some of these really kind of abstract, pulling out my, my thesaurus and so forth and finding other ways to, uh, say the same thing but just in a well more thought-provoking way um it's really kind of incredible to to see how expansive this guy's vocabulary is and and his larger uh themes and so forth that he's able to pull from but it's i feel like it's largely overlooked because of his vocal phrasings and so forth um i feel like that this album showcases that the band is getting stronger as they go on this far into a career and that's not something i can say about a lot of bands not named every time i die personally um especially in this genre where it seemingly is very limited into where you can go without purists getting butt hurt for selling out or changing their sound too much i, I mean i think this is a really commendable uh discography up at this point it's, it's only getting stronger as we're going oh bro there's somebody out there right now that's like it never got any better than homivore probably like, probably yeah, there's some and that guy's going to be the first one to email us. Yep. Guaranteed. Well, he only has two records to listen to, so he doesn't have any other time to, to do anything else but email us. Right. I mean, and he'll he'll do it in record time. Yeah. I yeah. mean, when you don't have to pay your bills either because you're sitting in your parents' house. I mean, absolutely. The vocals Shut up, definitely overshadow the message. I talk about enunciation all the time. If I can't understand what you're saying, why should I go look it up? I feel like because at times... So, like, actually, here's something I was thinking about. And I was talking to a friend uh, very recently about writing because like writing is something I don't do much anymore, but I, I really have a I love language and I love reading uh, people who take the time to actually put forth ideas. And sometimes I feel like this is an example very much like uh, Keith Buckley for me to made a comment about um, a while back when he wrote one of his books. And I remember on the podcast he was on, the host was like, oh man, like two pages in and I had to pull out a fucking dictionary. Like, I didn't know what you were saying. Like, I didn't know what these words meant. And he goes, yeah, I started to dumb it down because I didn't want people to pick it up and then go, ugh, I, I don't know these words. And then to get discouraged from reading it. 
But then I thought about why am I dumbing down my message? Why am I diluting what I want to fucking say the way I want to say it? If you can't read it or don't understand it, that's not my problem. You should have the want or desire to understand what I'm saying because it's I, because you're interested in what I have to say. And I feel like that's something the three of us have collectively kind of been going through on our own in comment, like in our, our group chat and so forth, where, yes, I do agree with Joe. Largely, I don't listen to this style of music because I can't fucking understand it. But then, like, I made the analogy, like, look at a band like Killswitch Engage or some of those bands where to us, they're more mainstream. But there are still people who are going to go, oh, God, I hate this music because I can't understand him or them or whatever. And it's all a matter of preference and what you kind of get used to. Now, like I said, it was I'm not going to say that I could completely understand everything this fucking dude was saying when I looked at the lyrics. Sometimes I could make some stuff out, but by and large, I looked at it more like almost just separate written like a book of sorts. And I think good. I don't know. I, like for me, it's not as intelligent as, as all of that, but. Uh, I think a lot of it for me just comes down to the fact that I'm just a fan of that vocal style. There's that. I think that the vocals properly complement the extremity of the music being played. Um, if you had somebody clearly singing the words on top of it, it wouldn't sound right. It wouldn't sound like death metal. It wouldn't sound like grindcore. It wouldn't sound like black metal or metalcore or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I know people are going to say, well, why doesn't he just do super extreme vocals but also enunciate better and make it easier for us to understand uh, but I think sometimes, you know, it's it's the same reason why a death metal guitar riff doesn't sound the same if you play it with no distortion on a Stratocaster on a practice amp, right? Like, why is it okay to distort the guitar and the bass, but not okay to distort the vocals? It seems to me like it's all kind of part of the same thing. So for me, I don't really care as much about the understandability. Now, to Joe's point, it's nice when all I have to do is listen to the record and again get the gist of what's going on. Uh, but like, and, and you guys know how much I love reading lyrics, but like to me, lyrics are almost at this point, um, supplemental material and can give you better insight about what a song's about. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I think, I think it's totally acceptable for this kind of music for you to have ultra guttural extreme vocals because you're matching what's being played. You're that, that believe it or not, uh, whenever you're, whenever you're in the middle of a gravity blast, you know, or grind section, and you growl and scream over it, that is more what the song calls for than a spoken or sung vocal. You're absolutely correct. But the sound of the music you are making is not the same as the understandability of what it is you're trying to convey. You can be heavy for the sake of being heavy, but eventually when you want to be taken seriously, and I think this band has been intending us to take them seriously since day one, it's just now they have the skill or they have the mentality to give us that understandability that is absolutely essential for the listener. Yes, if you make this, you want everyone to buy it and sit down and listen to it and read the lyrics and get the full picture. But somewhere along the way, somebody's just going to hear it and not everyone is going to get interested in it just based off the sounds that you're making. But they might be interested into the sounds of the words if they can understand what it is you're saying. Maybe. The only, the only disagreement I'd throw with that is in my experience of doing this show... Uh, with you and with Jeff, John seems to be the only co-host we've had recently that uh, seems to care at all about the lyrics. Um, but most of the people that I talk to that listen to metal don't care about lyrics at all. Agreed. So it doesn't doesn't really make or break whether or not they like a band or not, which is funny because I will fundamentally disagree with that. To me, 
Well, you'd watch a movie without with you know you'd watch a movie um without any sound on and feel like you got the fullest extent of the music but i mean this is this is all just personal preference i think but i mean to what, what joe's saying is right in the general sense of there's a reason why this style of music's never going to be on top 40 radio because everybody's going to say the same thing joe says uh sounds like it takes a lot of skill to play this kind of music but i don't know what that dude's saying and it just sounds like gurgly gurgly to me <laughs> moving on Speaking of moving on, Dan, I don't know if you chartered this ship or not, but John has this sweet Death Atlas 2019. Holy shit, dude. This band went full melodic death metal. If they weren't already there, they're there now. And my only question is, will Cattle Decapitation continue in this direction? Is this the band that we have now? Is this what we've been building towards the whole time, at least since 2004? I don't think this is the best Cattle Decapitation record, but Modern Ears, this is the most enjoyable one. Um, yeah, I mean, this is my favorite Kettle Decapitation record. And I think most of that is because, like, I I jumped on the bandwagon pretty early when I found out this was announced. Um, because, you know, I did I did enjoy Anthropocene <laughs> Extinction. <laughs> uh, you go right ahead there, buddy. <laughs> Anthropocene. Anthropocatine, but no, 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 can't do that. Uh, Anthropocene, whatever. I like the last record, guys, the one from 2015, all right? Ugh, metal. I can't even read their track titles out loud, and I'm arguing about how understandable they are. Uh, but they didn't just build off of that record, and I think that was really smart because ever since Karma Bloody Karma, they've been building on this, like, technical grind, de death grind thing, right? This record, they instead decided to go like, I don't know, like 60% black metal. And suddenly you've got keyboards, you've got clean vocals, you've got progressive melodic segments. Um, I don't really personally love the clean vocals. I know Joe does, but I don't like them that much. Um, this is like the this is like the type of record Joe and I would probably end up making where like, I'd be all like, all right, I'm gonna come in here and do my thing on top of it. And Joe's gonna be like, yeah, I'm just gonna add a little bit of flavor to that, you know? And it turned into, you know, these types of cleans. Um, and then we have to spend 45 like, minutes discussing whether or not it should be King Diamond vocals. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and I'd probably disagree. But I'd say overall, the, the amount of variety on this record and how they actually... This is the first one that I would truly say is kind of progressive. Because I really haven't heard anything else like it anywhere else. Yeah, I kept getting the sense for me when listening to this record that this is... It feels like a concept record. Like, and I, I, I couldn't necessarily figure out other than obviously like veganism and all that kind of stuff that we've already explored on other records, but I personally couldn't figure out what it was. Like, did, did any of you kind of get that same vibe at all when listening to this? I think that's a general vibe in portions of this band's discography, but I don't think it's the entire message. I can be wrong, but that's just an overarching theme on this one. That's my opinion. Dan, you? Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit. Okay. No, that's a really. That, I know that's like a shitty answer, but no. Uh, I mean, it was just. It was a thing. Like I'm thinking about it now. Now that you're saying it, it wasn't something that I noticed organically. Okay. Fair enough. It was just kind of something as I was listening to it that just kind of felt like a, a greater sense of everything. Whereas we've said like other songs kind of felt like parts and, and so on and so yeah. forth. This record felt as more cohesive than I've gotten from this band so it kind of made me feel like maybe there was a larger theme kind of connecting everything that they hadn't tried to do before um i think as a whole honestly i think the the last half of this record is my favorite i think it's stronger than the first half which yeah. is kind of interesting uh 
Cruel Curtain is a track I kept going back to uh, a few times uh, listening to this record as I liked more of that melodic side. Dan kind of pointed out on, uh, I don't remember the track off the top of my head, but um, previously, and to me, like with a song like that, I'm more interested to see where this band is going to go because at this point, I feel like they have really progressed beyond this genre or at least changed the perception of what this genre can be or and or is. Yeah, because, I mean, they're not Cattle Decapitation, the grind band, you know. Um, to even believe that these are the same people that put out Human Jerky is like, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, you guys remember that record? Human Jerky, Omnivore, you get, you get to serve man. You guys remember that? No, and I don't have to. I don't uh, need because to. Because this is way better. This is, almost a, this is almost a different band to the point where I almost feel like I almost feel like they've outgrown the whole humanure, karma, bloody karma sort of like they've almost outgrown their theme. Like their music has, has gone beyond what the original intent was. Uh, and that's a true sign of progression where you, they, they, they've morphed into something else uh, throughout their career. And so as of right now, in my opinion, this is the best cattle decapitation record. And I, the way they're going, I'll probably say the same thing about the next one. Everything they've done up until this point is perfected on this record. There's enough melody here to not be 100% grind. There's also plenty of grind, not to mention the black metal and the death metal elements. This might be the best overall example of what extreme metal can be without just being extreme for the sake of pissing off mom and dad. I would listen to this right next to Between the Buried and Me and be able to talk about the differences between those two presentations of extreme metal with melody kind of how we talk about the different types of metalcore there was the under oath style there was the kill switch engage style but it was all metalcore there was the dead guy style (laughs) (laughs) final thoughts on cattle decapitation john i think by and large this was a band that i thought i was going to not enjoy and it honestly wasn't until i started really taking the time to jot down my notes for this that i started finding what I wasn't able to when talking with Dan throughout the week where I was like, this just felt like a slog. It all sounds the same. And it really took me sitting down to kind of think about how I felt about each record that I saw more of the things that I was looking for, which was the growth, the progression. What is it that makes people like this band within this style of music? And I think collectively we have all kind of said the same thing. It's not a perfect discography. There's plenty that there's plenty of things that were missteps and, and things that weren't executed correctly. But it took some of those for the band, I think, to find their footing and really become the band that everyone largely talks about when they talk about the the what makes Cattle Decapitation great. I think it took a while to get there, but the fact that the good stuff is what's happening now, I think should put a lot of people who maybe aren't into this genre of music should put them on notice to, to check this out and maybe see if there's something here for you that you maybe have overlooked as well, like I have. Dan, what about you? I think the Kettle Decapitation is a band that is very easy to write off because they've got that name. I mean, even whenever you say the name Cattle Decapitation, you immediately imagine something like Human Jerky. You know, like, what, what could this band possibly sound like other than that? You show them Death Atlas, and they're like, wait, this is Cattle Decapitation? That was you know? my reaction. Yeah. And so, like, in, in, in that sense, they really are a band that you have to pay closer attention to. And if you actually do go on the journey, you know, I, lo- I love picking bands like this, especially when I'm in the know, and maybe you guys aren't 100% yet. Um, I like seeing that sort of 
um, reaction uh, from you guys where it's like, wow, okay. I had a hard, hard, hard time starting out with this. But as it went, it actually, I, I by the end of it, I actually was like, wow, this is actually a really enjoyable band. Um, whereas before it was like, the polar opposite of what you wanted to hear, you know? Um, and so to see them grow as musicians um, in that way is, is is kind of inspirational. The fact that some just terrible death grind band from 1999 ends up putting out one of the best records of 2019 in metal. I mean, that's that, that says a lot. So, um, you know, if you want to check this band out and you don't want to suffer the way that we suffered, maybe start with Karma Bloody Karma and move forward. That's my advice anyway. I think the majority of metal fans hear the word grindcore, and that's where they stop. They're not interested in listening to something that just sounds like a wall of noise when they could be listening to their favorite technical metal band. How Cattle Decapitation went from Human Jerky to Death Atlas and didn't really misstep along the way is fascinating to me. They're always moving forward. They're always pushing their genre, whatever they have in their head, to the next level. And somewhere they decided the 15-minute one-side record that just tells everyone how disgusted they are with the treatment of animals and how they are handled in the meatpacking industry, that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just to pick a subject and go after the authority as you perceive it. Cattle Decapitation has a message. They have a theme, and that might not be your thing, but this is some really good technical metal music. It has death. It has black metal. It has grind. Everything along the way that the extreme music fan or the technical metal fan should love, and the payoff is more than worth the investment to get to the end of the discography, at least the end of the discography as it is today. So I'm with Dan. Start where the discography really kicks off. 2004, work your way forward. It's a very good experience. And even if you want one record to look at, just take Death Atlas and realize everything you're hearing came from somewhere that they passed along the way to get through this discography. It's really fucking good, and you should be listening to Cattle Decapitation. Don't give up on it just because it has Grindcore in the name somewhere along the way. Dan, what's your album of the week? Oh, man, I'd have to say my album of the week is uh, Slither by Earth Crisis. Not because I love it, but because it's just a really, really different Earth Crisis record. Don't shake your head at, John, head, head at me, John. Now he's going to be all like, and my, my record of the week is something totally off kilter that you would never be expecting. John, what about you? So because this was such a slog when I listened to it, I needed to kind of get a really good palate cleanser for me. Um, so my album of the week is Harry Styles' Fine Line. It's uh, quite an interesting record. It's... Uh, it's pop, but it's more of that like kind of David Bowie kind of pop music, if that makes any sense to whoever's listening or either of you, really. It makes sense to me. David Bowie is technically a pop star, yet most people that listen to rock music think he's amazing. For me, it's the Doom 2016 soundtrack by Mick Gordon. Pick that up on wonderful compact disc, two-disc version in my hand. Dan is not jealous because he has the vinyl behind him. Politics aside, I wish 
they could work out whatever is preventing the Doom Eternal soundtrack from coming out. Officially, that is. Because dude knows how to write some heavy fucking shit. <laughs> that one hurt. I'm broken. <laughs> Let's do the whole next episode with my head sideways. Got taco neck. Take us out, DFT. If you like to listen to our podcast and you would like to be more directly involved in what bands we talk about, what some of the subject matter is, maybe you just want us to hear us read your comment or something on uh, on, on one of our various social media platforms, you can do all of that. There's a lot of different ways you can reach out to us. The easiest way, send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Discuss Metal. You can find us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can also join our Discord server. There will be a link in our show notes that you can click on that will take you right to our Discord server where uh, we've had a lot of activity as of lately. New new users, people talking. Uh, it's a chat service, in case you're not aware, where you can talk to us directly or uh, other fans of the podcast. If you want to get some sweet discography discussion merch, we will have another link in the show notes that will take you to our Teespring store where they print some awesome discography discussion merch on demand. Uh, the last time I ordered something from them, I think I got it in less than a week. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a good time. Get yourself some nice, comfy discography discussion socks. And uh, you can find out all the information about our show at DiscussMetal.com. So we will see you guys next time. We can't wait. And on that note, this has been episode 210 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 